everyone. Welcome to Bell Curve. I'm Rachel Bryars, joined by Mary Scott Hunter, and we are recording this on Friday, March 27. And I share the date because we're living in strange times, aren't we, related to the coronavirus pandemic. And we're aware that by the time you hear this, things may have changed in the world, even in a matter of days. So if something we say it feels a little out of touch, it's because of the date that we're recording it. We are joined today by a special guest who I will introduce in a moment. But first, I want to say that We know this is a hard time for a lot of y'all. I saw someone's post recently saying that not only had she been self-quarantined for weeks and was struggling with that, but y'all, her cat died and her refrigerator broke on the same day. Oh, no. I know. And it just rains, it pours, right? That's exactly what I thought. And it just made me think, you know, life can be challenging and stressful anyway. Add in the current events. And we know some of you may already feel at the breaking point Um, here at my house just a few minutes before this call started. Actually, my six-year-old was playing with a branch and it swung back and cut his face. And all the kids are yelling and flipping out and there was blood everywhere. And we thought, uh, do we rush to the ER? I mean, is this minor? Is this break re- out the super glue, dear? Yeah, is this really the time <laughs> to go to a hospital? <laughs> and thankfully, it was truly a scratch, and he's fine. But my point is that we know the situation has its share of stresses and ups and downs, and even joys. And we're thinking about you and praying for you, and we really are in this together with you. Christina Simmons is our guest today. Welcome, Christina. Hey, thanks, Rachel. Thanks, Mary Scott. Appreciate you guys having me on. Great uh, joy to be with the Curvies here. (laughs) I love it. That's right. (laughs) Y'all, and Christina is someone, talk about being there for someone. Christina has been there for me in a special way, really for years. I, I have a bad sense of time. So Christina, I don't know how long it's been, but I have talked before on Bell Curve about how I have had a spiritual mentor who I meet with on a regular basis. That used to be in person when Christina lived in Huntsville. And she has been a tremendous source of wisdom and support in my life. And I wanted to bring her on to discuss really how we can process coronavirus and hard times in general through a spiritual lens and how we can grow in faith during times such as these. We know not everyone who listens to Bell Curve shares the same beliefs, but I really am positive that what we'll talk about today will be an encouragement to all of us. Christina is the author of a new book called Say Yes, Discovering Purpose, Peace, and Abundance in Daily Life. She is a speaker and a coach. She produces online courses, a really helpful email newsletter that I enjoy, and a podcast about pursuing faith. She's also got a lot of interest in common with Mary Scott, I think. She's a former active duty Army officer, also served in the reserves. She holds an MA in history, an MA in theology, and has experience working in a number of military, nonprofit, and church settings. And Christina, I want to dive right in. I think it's safe to say most of us are dealing with at least some sense of loss or even fear of loss right now, ranging from the less serious, like loss of in-person social interaction and being able to go to the places we love to the much more serious like loss of income, clients, loss of stability, or even for some loss of a loved one. Years ago, you introduced me to the idea of cultivating a spirit of detachment. Could you explain what detachment is and why it's important? Well, you bring up such a beautiful concept that it doesn't matter whether or not you're coming from a faith tradition or not. In fact, I'll I'll refer to uh, Tony Robbins, you know, one of the best uh, personal transformation coaches out there, in which he talks about the fact that, you know, part of how we have to approach life is by 
seeing it as it is. And in order to cultivate a spirit of detachment, we have to be able to see life as it is and then accept that reality, you know, the truth of it before we can even begin to deal with it. So you just talked about the fact that so many of us are feeling lost and, you know, we're, we're afraid of what might be next and anxiety and everything else. And we really are moving through in different ways those five stages of grief um, I mean, you can see it when people are talking about the coronavirus and the possibilities and whether or not this restriction or that or whatever is overkill or whatever, because people themselves are moving through this whole denial phase. And then they're, you know, then they're angry because, you know, they can't do this and that and everything. And then, of course, we start going with the whole bargaining thing of, oh, well, you know, if I do this, then it'll be OK. And, you know, and then a lot of people are feeling helplessness right now. It's that depression before we finally get to that acceptance of this is what our new normal is right now. And it's especially important for us to be attentive to it when we're dealing with our kids and our families is for all of us to recognize that this is a challenge that we're all having to deal with. So when we come to that idea of detachment, we need to understand that there's two levels of detachment that are going on. One is to accept whatever it is that's coming in life. And then the second is us detaching from those things that are not as important in our lives. So that's a, a huge key is for us to be able to cultivate that spirit of detachment is for us to be able to get to that point of acceptance of this is what is, you know, for in this case, you know, this is the new normal. These are the things that we need to do. And then the second is then for us to figure out what are our true priorities. And a part of why I think we're struggling so much as a society is because we've had our priorities out of whack for a long time, you know, and that's coming <laughs> from a personal place. But when you see what our lives were, you know, when we're rushing to this, that, and the other thing, and you just look at the normal kind of day for, you know, a family uh, in suburban, you know, uh, you know, a suburban city. I mean, it's absolutely insane. We weren't sitting down for meals. We weren't spending time with one another. We weren't having real conversations with each other. And what are our priorities? And now all of a sudden we're angry because we have to spend time with the person that we supposedly say that we were going to love for the rest of our <laughs> lives and spend time with our kids. I mean, come on. But, you know, but I, I, I do, you know, that's not the sound, you know, that I don't have compassion because the reality is, is that it's a complete upending of what our routines were. And that's what we have to detach from first is how we want to do something, when we want to do it, you know, where we want to do it. And we need to accept that and the circumstances that we're in. And then from there, then we can kind of move on. What's the, the balance between loving a certain way of life, pouring into your life and pouring into the routines and, and maintaining a sense of hope that things will go back to normal and opening up your heart to the fact that things may never go back to normal exactly the way, the way they once were? And how do we sort of spiritually deal with God's in control, but things feel out of control? Well, this situation really opens up the reality that we have really been self-reliant, uh, that we've been relying upon how well we schedule, what activities we do, what uh, things we're pursuing, that those things will bring us 
happiness and fulfillment and peace in our lives. And what this situation does is that it brings to the fore the fact that, no, all those things that I thought were important, our jobs or school success, our sports activities or our sport, being a fan of sports. I'm a huge sports fan. So, I mean, talk about, wow, you know, the death of sports, um, you know, in society. I mean, talk about, and in Alabama, I mean, that that is definitely an idol uh, that's present in our state. And those things are all good. So your question that I'm hearing you ask is, how can those things which are good in themselves How can they become bad? And it's not that they become bad things, but rather it's always about in proportion to what is your priority? What is your first thing? I talk uh, with people and you've heard me, you know, talk about it, Rachel. First things first, what is the most important thing in your life? What are those? And it should be in my personal opinion, my rating, you know, my rating of them, you know, of course is God, family, then yourself. And it's in that regard that we then are, you know, uh, taking care of other people or our family and other people. And when we have the right priorities in the right way, then we realize those things that we were really driving our lives around, they're not so, not so important. Well, this experience does make you observe your life in a weird kind of way. We are doing a book in a kind of book club shows every quarter. And the next one we're going to do is about the marriage of Joy Davidman and C.S. Lewis. Mm-hmm. And uh, some people may know about that story, but they fell in love and were married. And after she died, she was younger than him, but she, mm-hmm. she died before him. And he wrote a book called A Grief Observed. Yes. And he he just analyzed, he basically watched himself grieve. Mm-hmm. And I do think if you can take a step away from this process, and some are grieving more than others. I actually have a few friend that, friends that are like, well, this isn't so bad. Right. <laughs> just spend some time <laughs> with my family. I'm getting to get rid of some of these extra commitments that I didn't mm-hmm. want to do anyway. But um, for, I think, the vast majority of people really are, to some level or another, grieving the loss of something. Maybe it was a trip. Maybe it was school. Maybe it was a job. Maybe it was, you know, lots of things. You know, the brand of toilet paper that you like to buy. Uh, <laughs> but, but we are, I think, just all in that boat that we are grieving something. And so the notion that we, that it's okay to grieve it because that's what we're doing. I think that's a really neat idea and kind of helps me to identify what's happening helps me to deal with it because you can kind of observe yourself. Well, I I came across a a great quote just in the last couple of weeks and had nothing to do with what was going on, but is so perfect, which is you can become bitter or you can become better in these moments. And uh, it's something where we can, you know, focus upon the fact of all the things that we've lost and become bitter about it. Or we can see it as the opportunity to be able to become who it is, especially coming from a faith perspective, who God is desiring us to be, for us to really embrace that life that he wants for us. And 
so often we don't do that. And I love uh, Blessed Chiara uh, Portillo. Is, uh, so she's a uh, Italian young woman who is on the path to sainthood in the, in the Roman Catholic Church. And the reason being is, is because she lived a heroic life of virtue before she passed um, due to cancer. And one of the quotes, uh, and I absolutely love uh, from her, is that if God takes something away, it's only because he wishes to give you something more. Mm, I love that. I don't and, know if I can buy into that right this minute. No, and, and <laughs> I don't know if anybody else out there is thinking, I'm like, okay, I hear that, but I don't know. You know what happened to me about a month ago? In, in kind of similar to the little story I shared about the, the lady who posted about her cat and refrigerator. In the same day, three major appliances broke. And I remember being like, what? And it was kind of like I just had to drop everything and go out and buy these things. And it was a cost and it was a hassle. But I tell you what, when all of this hit, I couldn't believe my good fortune. And I was thankful to God that I had already done all that before the stores closed. And I was mm-hmm. like, wow, God, thank you. So it makes me, what your quote is making me think of is like, he knew that I needed to get all this stuff done now. And it was better that it all broke in the same week. And he gave me more in that situation. <laughs> More options, well, more time, I, more ability. I, uh, Christine and I said a few a few shows ago when we really did a very raw show about our feelings that I was angry yeah. with God, and I'm, I'm mm-hmm. I have to say I'm I, I'm not like this simmering boiling anger like I was that day, but I'm I'm still truly irritated. So so let me ask you a question, and and all the curries out there, think about the fact that the end of the story changes every page Hmm. think about that the end of the story changes every page of the story up to that so all of the terrible things that happened to our hero all of the misfortunes all of the everything in the end when you get the ending and it's awesome and you're like oh wow right now we don't know our pages we're writing those right now but God, in his infinite wisdom, has given us the end of the story. The end of the story, it's victory. We've won. Well, we I, I agree. And I, I'm going to have to, I, I will say this. I know your background and I know your heart. So I trust you and I know you're right. But uh. <laughs> oh, I, 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 no, no, no. I, I, it's, you know, I, 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 I so get it. So I'll go back to Tony Robbins. In order for us to move through anything, we don't just have to accept the truth, you know, and start to deal with it, see it as it is, accept it. But then we need a vision so that we can start moving towards that vision to get stronger and better. So how do we get that vision? Usually we're looking for a role model who's already done it for us. So whoever your role model is, Jesus, a saint, whoever it is, we need to find that. We need the better vision. And the final piece of that is that when we start moving towards that and we, we're looking to that role model, if we begin to give more than we expect to receive, then we just opened ourselves up for all sorts of goodness. So when we look to taking care of other people and we stop focusing upon ourselves and our loss, what happens is, is that we ourselves are healed as we then go to help and heal others. There is something that is miraculously healing uh, for me about all these meals I have cooked for my family. Mm -hmm. I I always cook meals for my family, but they're focused more on 
like how many calories, how many healthy calories can I get into them, you know, and let's get this meal done. And now meals are, I don't know, a little more leisurely, a little more creative. I'm finding out, I found out that my youngest really, really loves to cook. I don't know. There's, you're mm-hmm. right that the end, the end, even though we're not at the end right now, but mm-hmm. at this very point, what's going on right now, if I go back and I, you know, the pages of the book have changed and I've, you know, I've now realized something that's changing, you know, changing the story, even as we speak. So well, you're I right. I love the idea too, of the role models. We say we pause at the dinner table the other night and I said, you know what, let's just think about the space that Anne Frank and her family stayed in for more than 700 days without even being able to, and we kind of like tried to picture what the square footage was. And I think that looking to the past, looking to history, looking, like you said, Christina, to people who have gone before, to me, there's nothing more encouraging than that and nothing more encouraging than putting it into perspective and asking ourselves, at the end of this, I know I want to be proud of how I acted. So how do I need to act to get to that? And, you know, I, so I think that's valuable. I also want to ask you, I, I really appreciate your approach to integrating faith into the whole person, particularly mm-hmm. how we can nourish and express our faith through our head, our heart, our hands and our feet. So can mm-hmm. you offer some thoughts or tips for those things during this strange time? Well, I mean, I've kind of, you know, touched on some of them just in, you know, our conversation so far. And, you know, one of them, you know, with our head, it's, you know, the fact of any kind of holistic formation needs to address those aspects of ourselves. And that's that human, spiritual, intellectual, and then pastoral, you know, so it's that idea of caring for others. So if we are approaching it for our our head, you actually need to begin with what are your human needs? And that's part of uh, one of the things I've been trying to encourage people, you know, within my tribe, you know, is the fact of we got to live in the moment or we're going to go crazy. You got to live in the moment or we got to go crazy. So I've been, you know, um, allowing people to, you know, jump on, you know, to a Zoom call with me or a phone call and just have a, you know, quick conversation. Hey, what, what, what are you struggling with right now? So that you're not going crazy and you can live in the moment. And one of the biggest things I've been telling people is become aware of the fact that your entire routines have been totally upended. And one of the first things that you need to do is that you need to sit down as a family with everyone who's in your space and you need to sit down and you need to say, okay, we're going to now create a schedule, a new routine, a new normal for us. And we're going to have these blocks of time and you got to make sure that you allow for, you know, you get. Hey, moms, oh my gosh, you guys are being, you know, swamped with all of these, you know, schoolwork and everything else. And, you know, you got to manage all of this. Well, one of the first things is, hey, everybody's in the house. Everybody has time. So everybody has chores. You're sharing the workload. It's no longer just on mom or, you know, just particular things. Every that all needs to get reworked to begin with. So the shared living space and being considerate of one another, you know, so you need to address that. But work or school hours, blocking them out. Homeschoolers have got, you know, a leg up on everybody because they've been doing this. Well, for, they you know, sure forever. do, don't they? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they do. You know, so work, school, making sure you're getting rest, not just sleep, but rest, i.e., some time for privacy. So if you're in a small space and you don't have rooms to yourself, you need to make sure that everybody gets uh, some amount of time to be able to not be bothered. Moms in particular, you need to be able to go, I'm gone for the next hour, 
go whatever, you know, dad, <laughs> you're in charge. The <laughs> exactly. Just don't get cut in the forehead. <laughs> exactly. You know, but um, exercise, you know, exercise is a huge one. Meals, Mary Scott, you were talking about meals. And let me tell you, you know, coming from a Eucharistic sacramental perspective as a Catholic, meals are how we encounter the authentic person across from us. Well, I'm not even sure that's religious, but I, I, it's Mm -hmm. also extremely cultural. Uh, And I think, and I think everybody would agree on that. And you're right. uh, These mealtimes have become more special. I cook in the crock pot a lot. I cook, I do cook meals for my family, but they're pretty simple. Mm -hmm. And we're trying some new things, being more creative and, Definitely the conversation is flowing and oh, yeah. I, and I love that. And and that's actually one of the things that I've told people is that you actually schedule in social time. So you schedule in family time, come together for your family meal and you have conversation. Then somebody in the family gets to choose what you all are doing for the next two hours together, you know, and then of course hobbies. I mean, you need something. Everybody needs something that helps them tap into their creative side that whatever it is, it gets you in touch with truth, goodness, and beauty. That's something that everybody needs to be doing every day. So all of those different components and, of course, you know, um, prayer, that spiritual side, that's all integrated in. So when you're doing that, you're coming up with, quote, a new routine, but actually uh, in Christian history, that's called a plan or a rule of life. And that's how monastic communities, that's how the church has moved, you know, for centuries is there's a rhythm and movement, prayer, work, meals, work prayer meal you know i mean you just well, rachel and that comports with our last book atomic habits oh yeah i i um I, I got a lot out of that and what you're talking about now is very much what he talked about in his book his that the habits of life are at, at least as important as the goals hmm. <laughs> the process with which it is that we get to quote where we go or where we're going is as important or more important. And I would agree with your, your intuition there, Mary Scott, you know, is that it's the living of it, not the getting, because the reality is, is that there's not an end till there's an end. So until then we're continuing to live. Um, and so how we live, the quality with which we live, that's why we're all seeking fulfillment. We're all seeking that abundance in our lives. And that's, you know, is brought about by the way in which we go about doing things. So, Christina, people Mm -hmm. are struggling and you talked about detachment. And detachment is not a word that I would have thought to use for what you're Mm -hmm. describing, Right. I think it does have a positive context in what you're describing in the way, say, that C.S. Lewis observed his own grief. He observed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what you're talking, we both, in fact, we are, you, you said you have to kind of figure out what the truth of your situation is, what's coming, and then what's not important. So I do think that even without the, the initiating factor of COVID-19, people choose to do this. People, mm-hmm. people choose to go through this detachment process. I wish we had a different word. I don't love that word, but it's, it's not a bad process to be going through. And I think that people go to places um, apart to do this, to, they choose to do this. Mm-hmm. So if, 
there is a way of thinking about it that it's, you know, it's, it's pressed upon us and we don't like that. And that's causing all that grief. And I will be the first one to say that when I heard school was canceled for the rest of the year, I think I, <laughs> yep. I, I, I was in Lowe's and my daughter got it on her, on her phone. And I, I think I might've cried right there in the tomato aisle. <laughs> Oh, yeah. But people choose to go through this process of detachment. We're not choosing to do it, but it's here. And and there is an opportunity for it to be positive. Struggle can be positive. Struggle often yields something better on the other side. Sometimes it doesn't, but oftentimes it does. Can you speak all that? All that? Um, I actually use a more positive language uh, in when I talk about putting first things first. Mm. Um, and so it's about us going and assessing our lives and saying, what are the things that motivate me, that bring me happiness and fulfillment, and what is the end goal of my life? Um, and so if you come at it from a Christian's perspective, those answers are, are relatively easy to come by um, in which we are striving to become who it is that God has created us to be, understanding that we have a unique and unrepeatable mission in this world that no one else but ourselves can do. Therefore, it's inherent upon us to strive to become the best version of ourselves, as Matthew Kelly, a, a very popular author, you know, talks about. Um, and, you know, what's the end goal? The end goal is for me to become a saint. And that's not for me, quote, to be better than anyone else, but rather for me to become exactly who God made me to be so that I can be with him for all eternity. So getting out of the theology stuff, just the act of going through and putting first things first and prioritizing and actually assessing what are the things that are most important to me. Um, Patrick Lincoln, in fact, uh, has, a, uh, has a podcast. He actually has an entire segment um, about how to do that within a family. In other words, what are your family priorities? And then as a family, you move towards, uh, towards those and they will shift a little bit, but there's always your guiding purpose. There's always your guiding principles of we are a family of, of charitable giving. You know, this is a, what defines us as a family or we're a family that is constantly, you know, on, on the uh, search for, you know, great adventures. So travel is a huge piece for a family. Um, and that's just kind of how family life is. Um, so there's all sorts of different ways that you can use, uh, you know, to prioritize, but it really is about putting first things first. What are the first things? And then focusing everything so that then your question of all activities, all of what you're doing is if it doesn't help you towards that end goal, why are you doing it? So no matter what your priority is, if what you're doing and spending your time isn't getting you towards that, why are you doing it? So then it becomes real easy to kind of go, hmm, spending five hours, you know, binging this Netflix show probably isn't helping me so much. I think what you're saying can resonate then with, I mean, certainly a lot of our, our lists, our curfews out there are, are Christians. We're, but we probably have non-Christians. We have mm -hmm. people who have fallen away from their faith or who have a faith but don't attend church or who maybe are of different faiths entirely and are not Christians at all. So, uh, but I think what I hear you saying is that this, this clarifying process, this figuring out first things first, this detachment, if you will, 
it is a, it is religious and it, and it is spiritual, but it, it can be done by anybody. Absolutely. And, um, and it's about spending that time in quiet. Our society, you know, up until this pause that was, you know, has been mandated has been a non-reflective one. We rarely, if ever, would reflect upon who we are, what we are, and where we're going. It was always, you know, whatever was kind of, you know, what society told us we needed to be about. I mean, we look at our young people and I actually, I'll toss this out, you know, maybe we have a a different, you know, uh, conversation, but I actually would argue and say that our young people, our young adults or, you know, college age kids are struggling to determine what it is that they want to do because they don't know who they are. They never have taken the time to truly assess who am I? What motivates me and what is it that I'm about? Why am I about it? Those deep questions the philosophers always asked, there's a reason they ask those questions. <laughs> well, and I think too, we have the opportunity, and this is something I've been really trying to reflect on and think about, is that we have the opportunity not only to think about what are our first things and who who are we and reflect and make sure we're not losing out on this opportunity to do that, but to offer grace, forgiveness to other people because their expressions of this situation, their priorities, what they think is important might be in total disagreement. And I I think it's just an opportunity for us to all grow in love and grace and even forgiveness. It's, It's bringing out a lot of interesting stuff out of people. Exactly. And that's why um, I think, uh, you know, a, a, that great advice, uh, you know, live in the moment or go crazy, you know. So h- how do you do that? You pray, meditate, whatever that might be for you, reflect, silence, and then you trust and you take your next best step. Well, Christina, this is so helpful. And I would love if you could maybe share with our community any ways that folks can connect with you or find you, website, social media, all that stuff. Yeah, pretty much it all uh, revolves around my say yes to holiness.com. Uh, you can find all sorts of stuff there, uh, entry points uh, into um, my online you know, programs. Uh, on Facebook, it's the same, at say yes to holiness. Instagram, same thing. I'm in the process because there's been such a need uh, people have said, hey, you know, uh, can we do more? Um, and so I'm in the process of uh, getting ready to launch a program. So uh, if you get on my email uh, distribution newsletter that you mentioned before, and you can do that real simply, you can just text, say yes to holiness and text it to 66866. Um, say yes to holiness and it'll say, hey, what's your email? And it automatically puts you on that newsletter and then you find out about everything. But in the interim, uh, just go to sayyestoholiness.com and uh, check it out and would love to be able to walk with people and help people however they need in the midst of, you know, it truly is a challenging time, but we have the opportunity to make lemonade out of coronavirus lemons. We really do. (laughs) Oh, I love it. Yeah, a few episodes ago, we talked about a John Maxwell quote that said, the next stage of life always requires a better you. And well, y'all, I guess that stage, may it please be brief, is here. We hope this has encouraged you to be the best version of yourself and help those around you do that as well. If you want to join others helping you make this podcast possible, please go to patreon.com slash bellcurvepod. And please reach out to us on Facebook if we may pray for you or help you in any way. Keep the faith, stay strong. We're in this together and we love you. See you next time.